Now, I've asked our brother, Alan Irvine, if he would come and read to us from the scriptures. Thank you, Alan. This is the word of the Lord, as we find it in Luke chapter 2 and the verse 8. Uh, and there was, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us, let us go even on to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they made haste. And they found Mary and Joseph lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made it known abroad, which was told to them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered about these things, which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen and that was told unto them. We end our, our reading at the verse 20. Amen. I appreciate our brother coming at short notice and reading the scriptures. I'm going to ask our sister Ruth Garrett now to come and she's going to uh, render a special solo piece for us. Thank you, Ruth. I, if I could sing, I would join her.
And we do thank our sister Ruth for coming and singing this morning. It's not easy getting up here and we appreciate that very much and what a tremendous peace and I'm sure it has brought blessing already to your heart. Let's just bow together in a wee word of prayer. We have no offering this morning. It's Christmas Day and we appreciate you coming. Let's just have a wee prayer together. Lord, we thank thee for the conscious sense of thy divine presence by faith. We're glad, Lord, that thou art amongst us. Where two or three are gathered together in thy name, there thou art in the midst. And we ask you, Lord, to accept this offering of praise this morning. We're thankful in the knowledge that thou dost inhabit the praise of thy people. Thou hast commanded us, praise the Lord. And that's what we've sought to do in these old hymns. We pray that the fruit of our lips and the adoration of our heart might be acceptable in thy sight. Pray you'll bless every family that's represented. You know every family. And Lord, we know that Christmas time, while it's a happy time, it can be also a very hard time. And thou dost know those families that are struggling with one sort of difficulty or another. You know those that are struggling with illness this morning. Those that have just had recent tests and recent diagnosis that has brought bad news. And Lord, a harrowing uh, thought to the mind. And you know those that have been plunged into grief and bereavement, uh, Lord, even through sudden death. And we cry unto thee, Lord, have mercy, we pray. We even think this morning of our brother Ian Martin over there in Lisburn. And we know he's only one of many. And we pray, Lord, you'll comfort and strengthen his heart. We think of the news from Spain. Lord, about a father and two children dying in a swimming accident on holiday. We think of the uh, man that was killed in Points Pass. And the lady in the Dungannon motor car accident. We think of the little baby that's been left, Lord, um, physically disabled. Uh, never walk, Lord, uh, because of sin and things that have happened. In the hospital, Lord, comfort that granny and granda Fullerton today in Bushmills. And Lord, we just commend ourselves to thee now. We ask you to draw near. We pray that you'll remember every family that's represented, meet every need. We thank you for those that are here for the first time. We do thank thee especially for the safe arrival of little babies. And that's brought joy and happiness. We thank thee that baby Jonathan is with us. And we pray, Lord, that you'll bless him. And, oh God, you'll remember the family circle. And we look to thee that you'll undertake in every aspect, even if we're coming together now. We just commit ourselves to thee as we turn to thy word. Lord, have mercy upon us. And, Lord, speak a word in season. And remember the homeless today. Remember those that feed them. Remember, Lord, our armed forces throughout the Commonwealth. Remember our nurses and doctors and firemen laboring away in their place of employment. We think, Lord, even of the need of many in these times. And we ask thee to help thou us this day. We just commit ourselves to thee now. Grant us the covering of the blood and the leading of thy Holy Spirit. Use thy word for thy glory. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Now, my text this morning is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 12. And my theme today is God's first Christmas card message. Now, all of us love celebrating Christmas. Each of us have different ways of celebrating today. Individually, we observe different traditions often handed down through families' generations. Christmas tree, when it goes up. 
the dinner, the, the, the games that are played, the outings that are planned, the, the gifts that are bought and shared. But each of us have at least one thing in common today, and that is the sending and receiving at least of one Christmas card. Now, I want you to think with me of the history of the Christmas card in the United Kingdom. Did you know that the first Christmas card was made in 1843? The custom started with John Calcott Horsley, who printed the first Christmas card for Sir Henry Cole. Sir Henry Cole was a senior civil servant. He was involved in the setting up of the new public uh, records office, now the post office, and John Horsley had a printing shop in London. He was friends with Sir Henry Cole, and the card, of course, was very controversial because it had three panels, two outer panels that showed help being given to the poor, food and clothing. The middle panel was in colour. The other two panels were in black and white. It showed a very wealthy family sitting around a table, eating and drinking, and even one child had a, a glass of wine in its hand. You can just imagine the controversy, can't you? And the message said, and a Merry Christmas to all and a Happy New Year. There was a thousand printed and sold for one old penny. Those Christmas cards are now so old and rare that in 2001, one sold the United States of America for $35,000. It was called the world's most expensive Christmas card. And then in 1875, the United States of America, Mr. Louis Prang, a Prussian immigrant to the States, set up a print shop near Boston. He began to mass-produce Christmas cards, and by 1881, they were printing about 5 million cards per year. In the 1860s and 70s, the artist William Egley used a, a Charles Dickens portrait uh, uh, to display the nativity scene of the wise men coming to the baby Jesus. And that very uh, uh, card uh, hangs and is displayed in the British Museum. And then did you know that in 1915, a man called John C. Hall and two brothers, they created the Hallmark Cards Factory. And of course, it's one of the biggest today and one of the, the best known. Today, you see, there are billions of Christmas cards made and sent throughout the whole English-speaking world. Some cards of Santa Claus bearing gifts. Some have nice pictures of snow-clad cottages or robins. Uh, others have family pictures and friends. Others are religious cards displaying the story of the Savior's birth, often with a, a Bible text. Now, when I received my Christmas cards this year, and I've got two here, and I'll talk a little bit about them in a moment, that got me thinking of a wonder who sent the first Christmas card. And who was it sent to? And what was the message about? And of course, I thought way before 1843 and John Horsley and his printing shop in London, and my mind went to the very night when the angels came to the Judean hillside and announced to the shepherds in the field the story of the Saviour's birth, and said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. Now let's think for a moment of God's first Christmas card message. Three things. The characteristics of the Christmas card. 
What are the main characteristics of every Christmas card, including these two? Let me tell you, every Christmas card has a sender. Every card presupposes a sender. One of the reasons a person chooses to send a card, it's a way of connecting with people or or reconnecting with old friends. Many uh, cards contain a highlight of that year or things that happened in family life, maybe even an old picture. It's also a way of caring. It's letting people know that you're thinking of them at this time of the year, that that you have fond memories of them, past fellowship, that, that you love them. That, that you have a kind and caring heart toward them. Is it not also a way of conveying a gift or a message? Some of the cards that we received have had little gifts, monetary inside, or, or gift cards for Marks and Spencers or something like that. You see, every card has a sender. And why does the sender send it? Well, it's a way of connecting. It's a way of caring. It's a way of conveying a message. Also, every card has to be sent. You see, the sender has a desire. He has this thought, I'm going to send a card to my friends. And then he he goes out and purchases the card. He he writes the message on it or or adds his name. He, He then addresses the envelope and he sends it through the royal mail. Some cards that I receive are sent electronically. It's called email cards or e-cards and I remember getting one with a nice Santa Claus in it and he was jumping up and down and wishing me a very Merry Christmas and I, I of course laughed and I thought oh this is a new one for me I, 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 and of course I knew who sent it and I not name his name but it, it was very good okay every card has to be sent do you know that every card also has to be stamped um, the first card that had a stamp, was a, was a penny stamp. And remember, stamps cost money. And today, I think a, a, a stamp is about 68p. And I think the Royal Mail would testify that lots of people have stopped sending cards really because of the price of the stamp. You buy the card, you buy the stamp, and, and it, it, it runs into, well, it, well, at least maybe two or three pounds per card. So, so there's a cost involved. Can I tell you something else? That every card is special. They're hand-picked, especially for dear friends and family members. And I got two special ones this year. I've got this one from Dr. David McElveen, thanking you for your prayers and ministry of encouragement, ensuring you of our prayers on your behalf, with a text Isaiah 18, one in 18 on it. And here's the garden tomb in Jerusalem. And of course, this is one of my favorite places in Jerusalem. And keep in thought the, the empty tomb. And this is another one from our dear sister, who was a former member of this church, and Lynette and Eric Seaton. And uh, it says to David, Rosemary and family from the net, Eric and family with lots of love for Christmas and every blessing for 2020. And there's a little message inside just personally for me. You see, think of that. I want to put it to you this morning that these four things, these four characteristics about the Christmas card, these are unique to every card. A sender, it's sent, it's stamped, And it's special. And whenever it comes to God's message, the gospel, remember he is the sender. God can come and say, I have a message from God for you. Doesn't the Bible introduces us to God? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And and remember, God's message is summarized in the Bible. 
uh, one of the greatest messages in the world. And we can know this God because this God has revealed himself, especially in the pages of Holy Scripture, uh, so, so that you can have an intimate and personal knowledge of God, so you can have the, 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 the wonderful gift of, of eternal life. Doesn't the Bible tell us there in the book of uh, John in uh, John 17 and in the verse uh, 3 the Lord Jesus said to his disciples he said and this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent you see God is the sender of the message and he's also sent the message when you get a card it usually comes in an envelope and of course you have to open it to see who it's from. It's addressed to you. And, and remember, God has given us the message. It's summarized for us in the Holy Scriptures. Be instructed before leaving earth. It's God's instruction manual for life. So we might know him that we might become possessors of eternal life. And, and God has spoken. God, remember, is the source of the message. Isn't the gospel called the gospel of God? You see, the gospel starts with God. It's all of God and all of grace. As we think of the text above the pulpit, salvation is of the Lord. And you know what? He has paid the price of the stamp. Because this message, remember, always comes at a cost, a great cost. The cost of the shed blood. It wasn't the book in the Old Testament sprinkled with blood. Hebrews 9 and 22 says, without the shedding of blood is no remission. And God's message is a, is a blood-sprinkled book. Could, could I tell you something else? His message is special. It's tailor-made with you in mind. Think of these words. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You see, doesn't this message deal with fear? Maybe you're here this morning and you're full of fear for one reason or another. Well, well, the Lord wants you to let go of all your fears. He would say to you, fear not, don't be afraid. It inspires joy. It's great joy to all people, to Jew and Gentile. It breaks down the barriers of race and class because it's to all people, the rich, the poor, the educated, the uneducated, those that have a station in life and those that are socially deprived. God's message delights in individuality. You see, it's especially for you. Each person, God comes and brings the message. We normally only send cards to family and close friends. We don't send to everybody in the church. And please don't be offended. I, I wish you all Merry Christmas. Um, we don't send to everybody in Carrie Duff or in County Down. But you know what? God's different. God comes to the individual and he says, I have a message for you. And that's the characteristics of the Christmas card. So when you think of your Christmas cards at home, it has a sender, it was sent, it was stamped, but it's a special message for you. Now, I want you to think of the contents of the Christmas card. I, I, I read Sister Lynette's Christmas card. Happy Christmas to you and your family. And every blessing for the new year, we pray for health and happiness for you and those you hold dear. But as you think of the Christ of the cradle, this season of our dear Savior's birth, don't forget the Christ of the cross. It's the reason God's Son came to earth. 
And I thought of the message. Now, I've adapted that message. I texted it out to many people last night, wishing them a happy Christmas to let them know we're thinking about them. But when you think of Luke chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 in particular, think of this. Think of the meaning that's here. It's a message that Christ was born. The invisible God is now seen. The eternal God has entered into time. The God of heaven has come to earth. The all-powerful, all-wise God. The holy God has took a human body. The God of mystery and majesty is now lying in a manger. Remember Christ was born of the Virgin Mary, doesn't the Bible say? Uh, unto um, us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. When you think of Christ of the cradle, a babe lying in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. That's the meaning of the message. It's clear. It's plain. You can understand it. Think of the mystery that's here. A, a story, a message so wonderful, so unique, so glorious that at times we can't really comprehend it. Because it's this great as the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That babe in the manger was God in the flesh. He entered the world by the same door of birth by which we all enter. But his birth was unusual, unique, supernatural, unparalleled, because he was born of women only. He was <coughs> born of the Virgin Mary. And the doctrine of the incarnation is a, is a very, very important doctrine. So he's not just a good teacher, a preacher, a healer, a leader, a moral example. He's God in the flesh. You see, the incarnation was necessary for a virgin birth. And it was necessary for him to live a sinless life without sin. And it was necessary for the atoning death. You see, the Christ of the cradle was born to be the Christ of the cross. And because he bore the cross, then he could become the Christ that was crowned. There's a miracle here. The Bible tells us there in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 7 and verse 14, a tremendous thought. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Why, why is that important? Because Joseph was not his biological father. That's important. He was not born of a Roman soldier as the modernists allege or, or born of because Mary had a, a relationship with Zacharias the priest. That would make Jesus Christ just like an ordinary man. That would make him a sinner. But remember, one man's sin affected us all, and that one man was Adam. And, and the doctrine of the incarnation is absolutely necessary because it's a foundational truth of true Bible-believing Christianity. And, 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 and the cornerstone of, of our faith is the empty tomb. So you think of the babe in the manger coming to the womb of the virgin, and then eventually the empty tomb is the result of his life's work and labor. There's a mercy here. Christ the Savior is born. Not an educationalist, not a scientist, not an environmentalist, not an economist. We don't need that. We needed a Savior because we're all born in sin and shape and iniquity. He's our prophet to teach and tell us the way of salvation. He's our priest uh, who offered himself a once and for all sacrifice for sin so we can have a full and free and forever salvation. Why did God send a Savior? Because that's what we needed. 
the Son is given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That his name might be wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So you've got to think of the content of the message. And it's all here. I wish I had more time to develop it. But think of this as we close. The characteristics of the card, the content of the Christmas card, but think of the carrying of the Christmas card. The postman, Royal Mail, comes. He carries the card to your door. He puts it through the letterbox. Some cards are coarse because of the absence of the stamp to save money. They're hand-delivered. And his job is to bring the card to you, the post to you. That's his responsibility. Now think of the great message of the gospel. Do you know that every Christian acts like a postman before God. Every Christian is really God's postman to carry the message of the gospel in their life and by their lip around the countryside where they live. You see, whenever the Lord saved you, he, he changes you. And one of the changes that he makes, you want to talk about the Lord and you want to tell others that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And it's a hard job, isn't it? And sometimes in a postman, he comes to the gate and he sees the sign, beware of a dog, he gets a bit afraid. And of course, we can be afraid. And we know that it's hard to tell others about the message of salvation. But that's what God has called us to do. And I remember when I was converted at 18, I stood up on a joiner's workbench and I, I told others in that workshop that I'd become a Christian in November. And, and God uh, has preachers, yes. God raises up missionaries, yes. But, but every Christian is meant to be an ambassador and a witness for Jesus Christ. And I would urge you to, to be involved in that witness in your family and among your friends. You know what the Bible says? A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Doesn't the Bible say happy is the people whose God is the Lord? A happiness that will last for all of eternity. You see, there's many today and they're not truly happy because they've never discovered that happiness that's found in Jesus Christ. He gives you a new heart. So it's happiness not only in the outside, but it's in the inside. He's the real source of happiness. And there's many this morning who feel unhappy. There's many this morning who are having a difficult time. Sickness has come. The death of a wife, the death of a child, difficult circumstances. But our happiness is not in our circumstances, it's in Christ. And we think of the new year and we don't know what it's going to bring. I could wish you a happy new year, but we don't know what's going to unfold. But only the Lord knows. I wonder this morning, have you carried the message to others? To tell them that happiness is found in the Lord. That the source of joy and peace and true contentment is in Christ alone. Many, of course, haven't received the message. Let me finish with this little story. A wealthy man, he married late in life. He married a younger woman. And uh, for Christmas time, she wanted a lovely piece of jewelry that cost an astronomical amount of money. It was all she talked about for a number of months. And of course, being wealthy, he had loads of other little gifts that he gave to her, and she opened them all. She didn't find what she was looking for. And he noticed that her countenance was very sad, and she was upset. And at the end, he gave her a Christmas card, like this. It was, of course, in an envelope. And uh, she was that upset. She didn't open the card. And in fact, 
she threw it back at him and said, I don't want it. And she walked out on Christmas Day. And, and to cut a long story short, she was so disappointed and so upset, having walked out on her husband on Christmas Day, that, that, they, that they ended up uh, separating. And, and the gulf was so wide that they didn't speak for like 20 odd years. Then the man became ill. He was near death's door. The wife thought, well, ex-wife thought, I better go and clear the air. And you know when she came to his bedside, you know what he asked her to do, to open a drawer? He brought the card out. She opened the card in front of him because he had requested her to do it. And you know what fell out? The lovely piece of diamond jewelry was sellotaped to the card. It was there all the time. But she had never opened the card. And she never got the gift. And how many is like that? There is a refusal to open so that they don't receive the gift. And I just commend the Christmas card to you today. Here's the first Christmas card message. God was the sender. He sent a wonderful message. It cost a lot. It's special to you. And the content is all about the Christ child. The babe, uh, the Christ of the cradle who would become the Christ of the cross to be the Christ of the crown. And our job was to carry that message and urge others to open their heart to receive the Saviour.